Hello everyone listening wherever you are and welcome to season four of Marking the Role, a podcast for teachers uh, and anyone interested in education. Um, We're based in the Illawarra area of New South Wales, but we're for teachers across Australia and really over the world, all over the world. Increasingly, we're being listened to by parents who want to find out what's happening in the education system um, and the sort of policies that are affecting um, their children. So this is episode 23, and it's on a very important topic, and that is reducing stress for teachers. Last year, Um, teachers told me that it was their worst year ever of their teaching career and they were extremely stressed. We have an attrition rate of teachers, uh, which is enormous. Teachers are leaving the field and finding other work or going on to the the casual ranks. So um, teachers last year were under immense stress and probably this year won't be that much different. So um, for this episode... I'm interviewing Daniela Falecki. Daniela is from the Teacher Wellbeing Company. She spends a lot of her time going out to schools, um, talking about reducing stress and, and well-being. She runs workshops on it. And as with all my guests, uh, I began by asking her about her education and her teaching background. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I was a teacher for 25 years. I've worked in um, 10 years in the government system, then moved into Catholic and independent system. Um, I used to went to uni in Wollongong. I lived in Wollongong and I'm um, PDHPE or PE trained. I've also done work around, uh, I've been lecturing at Western Sydney University for 10 years in educational psychology, Sydney University, and also it was the New South Wales manager for outdoor education for a while. So I've seen um, lots of different things happen in education, things come and go, and um, I can tell you, honestly, there is nothing that surprises me. Right. You've seen you've seen it all then. I have indeed. Look, in, in Season 3, I spoke to many teachers, and they spoke about having this internal code that always put the students first so that so even if they were sick they would go go to school because you know the students had had a certain assessment coming up or something like that and my feeling was that that really did cause teachers stress uh, and anxiety although they were doing it you know possibly for the right reason do you find this internal code is 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 uh, is pretty big with teachers oh look absolutely i mean you know you would know this as an educator i know this as an educator we, we think, dream, sleep, um, worrying about students, worrying about learning, uh, worrying about people's well-being, and it's because we care. We have big hearts um, and our mind races continuously. But um, I can honestly tell you, when you look at some of the statistics, Phil, um, you know, I think there was a recent study, 2022, by TESS um, in Australia, and they identified that, you know, three-quarters of educators describe themselves as stressed, Three quarters of educators find it difficult to switch off, which impacts work-life balance. Um, and it's uh, the job's already tough, and we tend to make it harder for ourselves as well. But um, what, one of the things that I, I think is really important to acknowledge when we talk about mindset, and this is the work that I do with schools, and it's recognising that well-being, number one, it's complicated. Number two, there's no quick fix. And number three, there are three layers that we need to sort of explore and unpack 
when we start thinking about well-being. And I call these layers me, we and us. So there's decisions we need to make around self-care, which is the me stuff, you know, my decisions around eat, sleep and exercise, that, that's on me. Then there's the we stuff, which is the relationships, because there are, let's face it, you know, there are some students, parents and colleagues that are phenomenal, amazing and incredible partnerships. And then there are some that are probably forgettable um, and more challenging roadblocks and can be really demanding on our time and energy. And then there's the us, which is the system, the admin, the compliance, the accountability. Now, each of those three areas are three different conversations. Now, that's not for today because <laughs> we would be here all day. Hmm. But um, the things that we do, the, so one of the areas that I do focus on is, well, what can I do for me? And this is where the mindset stuff comes in. When I work with schools for 12 months and I work with leaders, we um, we go through all three layers. But um, the, the area that, you know, to address your question of the, the me stuff, it really does centre around mindset um, and the rules and boundaries I set for myself. And the expectations I set for myself. But those boundaries for, for many teachers would be very hard to say, look, I, 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 I'm not going to, to do this work tonight. I, I've got to give this time to myself and watch Netflix or go out for dinner or something. And, and there's this constant pull from teachers because oh, that's, that's who they are. They're, assist, they're helpers, you know, they, they love uh, the indeed. kids. Yeah, absolutely. We are helpers and we, we want to make a difference. I mean, no... no no um, teacher um, sort of after the end of their career, long um, career, will walk away and say, gosh, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad I was able to complete that Excel spreadsheet. They say, you know, I really, I, I love the relationships. I love mm, the connection. Yeah. I love the students. But look, there's, there's six um, thinking trap voices that I've sort of still reconciled with myself today. And the things that I share with people to say, you know, which one resonates for you? Can I share those six with you? Sure. So the common thinking traps are things like, you know, the, the fuss pot. You know, that little voice in your head that has you staying up to one o'clock in the morning trying to find the right graphic for your PowerPoint or make sure that your, um, your fonts are all the right size. And I, I see this a lot in beginning teachers. And my advice to them is just stop it. Like, it's just ridiculous. You go to work the next day, you're tired, you're yelling at the kids, stop it. The second one is the fantasizer. And this is when we... Um, we write a to-do list that's two pages long, even <laughs> though we have a full teaching day. Hmm. And then at the end of the day, we look at it and go, oh, see, I haven't worked hard enough. You know what? Stop it. The third one so is do, you, do you actually stop it, Daniela, or, or do you cut it in half? Well, it, it, it's, there's no one answer. I wish there was a magic answer. People are like, what should I do? I say, I don't know what you should do, but what I can share with you is a toolbox of resources for you to decide what works for you. Hmm. Because no teacher likes to be told what to do. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm a self-confessed control freak and I'm just like, no, 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 just give me the options and I will decide. Hmm. Um, and I think in the well-being space, we need to be careful to not tell people what to do, but provide options. Hmm. And so that's, that's the sort of space I think we need to respect that we're working with adults, not children. So we need to respect that space. Hmm. Um, look, the third one is the fault finder. You know, when that's the person, the little voice in our head that says, well, whose fault's this? And I didn't know and I wasn't told and blah, blah, blah. Number four is the follower. And the follower is the person 
that says to themselves, I can't leave before four o'clock because it's not what we do here. I have to answer emails on the weekend because it's expected. So the follower is the person that follows the social norms of the school. Typically, they're not uh, they're not in you know process or policy, but it's it's when we we need to catch ourselves when we say it's just what we do here and challenge that thought and say, well, is that really useful and helpful? And perhaps is there another way to look at it? Right. And do you think teachers are just following this idea that they have to work at night? Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. Where really they could just do eight till four and, and somehow draw a line on that and <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah, look, it's, it's really challenging because the demands are high and there is so much to do. And um, it, it's, it, you know, the, there's a lot of stuff that is placed upon us and um, the, the, the demands are high. And then what we do is we add to that and um, we put extra pressure on ourselves. So I just want to let people know that I'm not saying that we're doing uh, making life hard for ourselves when it's not hard. It is hard, but sometimes we just put extra pressure on ourselves and it comes from our own inner talk or self-talk or inner critic. The fifth one is the faker. This is the person where we go, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm really fine. It's like, well, you don't look fine because you're curled up in a ball in the corner rocking. Hmm. Like, no, I'm fine. And then the last one is the fighter. The fighter that's just got to be an advocate for everybody. Um, and, you know, well, they have that mentality, well, if I don't, who will? And so we have these six thinking traps that sort of push us to blur our boundary, they push us in um, in unhelpful ways. And one of the things we need to do is, number one, just be aware of them. I don't think there's no magic answer for them, but if we're not aware of them, we get caught up in the busyness and then we become victims to our experiences and we're not victims. We're very capable. We're highly intelligent. We're highly skillful. But because we don't prioritise or think about our own well-being, um, it jeopardises how effective we are, it jeopardises student learning and it jeopardises how we feel about our experience and how meaningful we, we, we actually feel. You're listening to Marking the Roll, a podcast for teachers and anyone interested in education. We discuss the real issues facing educators without fear or favour. Please follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. For more info, go to markingtherole.com.au. Look, but there, there must be you know, some direction that, that we can take teachers on. For example, like I, I know exercise is not a big thing for, for you, but it, it, is, it is for me. Yeah. Um, and, and when I do my neuroscience mm. work in schools, I, I tell the kids that the exercise that you do actually creates new neurons inside your brain and it puts you into a lower electrical zone. So I find exercise is pretty important, but, but you know, teachers lead such hectic, busy lives, it's probably very hard for them to get into that. Absolutely. And um, I, I did mention I was a PE teacher, so exercise is very much my thing. Um, and I'm a big advocate of exercise. And I totally agree with everything that you're saying and how important it is. And I have a little acronym that I use when we talk about physical well-being. And it's, um, it's called taking your meds. You know, we, we could laugh and say we're, we're a medicated society. Um, but one of the things I talk about is when we are focusing on physical well-being, is daily we need to be planning ways to, number one, meditate, whether that be uh, whatever 
meditation means for you, um, which was breathing exercise, body scans, whatever it might be. The next one is exercise, so moving. So we know that standing is more important than sitting. Moving our brain, moving our body, obviously, as you just mentioned, helps support our brain functioning and so on. Then you've got diet which is obviously very important, low sugar, but as educators, we tend to live on a high sugar diet because yeah. we're eating on the run. And then, of course, sleep. Now, in my, in my workshops, I don't necessarily focus on the physical well-being because I think that there, there are so many resources out there. And while they're important, I direct people to where they are. But where I think the magic is, is really around thinking traps and shifting our mindset, boosting our mood and building momentum. But physical well-being, absolutely essential. Our physical health is directly relational to our mental health and vice versa. So 100% about exercise. Now, um, teachers tend to go to a staff room a lot. Uh, they, you know, when I was teaching, yes, I'd, I'd end up going to the staff room. But often I found that more stressful than actually just avoiding the whole thing mm. and going for a bit of a walk uh, just around the school grounds at lunchtime. Yeah, uh, yeah. So do you think staff rooms are a good thing? Depends, depends, depends. For example, we've got people who are um, introverts and people who are extroverts. So one yeah. of the common things I see in schools is schools will say, oh, we need to prioritise staff wellbeing. I know what we'll do. We'll have a morning tea. Now, if you're an extrovert, that's an energising activity for you. If you're an introvert, that's a de-energising activity for you. For some mm. people, they enjoy walking um, and they need, the, they need to uh, have the – they don't need that interaction with people, so they need that space. But that's not the case for everybody. So one of the things that I talk about is manage your energy, not your time. But you need to know what are the activities for you that are energising and what are the activities for you that are de-energising. For example... Well, well, going on from that, Daniela, though, yeah. you, you said that some people are extroverts, some are introverts. Yeah. So the extroverts would choose to go to the staff room, but the introverts yeah. would choose not to. But but often new teachers particularly feel a pressure to go into the staff room and, yeah. and, and be social, yeah. but they're really torn because they don't want to go because they'd rather just sit and do something else or go for a walk. Um, so they yeah. don't have to go to the staff room, do they? Absolutely, they do not have to. And this is where we talk about um, you know, the mindset of addressing social norms. You know, these yeah. social norms of this is how we do it here. And I, I, it really irks me when people say, well, this is how we do it here. And I'm like, well, if it's working for you, great. If it's not working for you, then do something different. Because, you know, you're not a tree. You're not stuck. You can move and you can shift yeah. your thinking. You can shift your mood and everything else. But I think yep. for beginning teachers, working out what the social norms are and really having conversations, you know, the mentoring is crucial for begin beginning teachers to help people unpack, well, what are the social norms of our school? What are the expectations? And how are these expectations going to help me or hinder me when it comes to my well-being? That's right. And perhaps being honest and saying to your head teacher, look, I am an introvert and I do mm. like working things out on my own. And, yeah. and once you've stated that, I guess the head teacher knows and will understand you better. Absolutely. And and this is where, in you know, the me, we and um, us model, the we part, it's all about relationships. And I know there are some people, some colleagues that I would think, wow, you know, true partnerships um, and were my greater support, uh, whether that be a mentoring or just a venting relationship. And there are others that were just complete roadblocks. And I used to think, gosh, you know, why are you making life so difficult when it's already difficult? 
And typically it was about personality clashes. So, you know, we're we're human beings. We're not human doings. And so we we think that we're robots that we can just keep keep pushing and, and keep getting through. And I always say to people, there's no finish line. So where are you running to? The job's never done. But yeah. we run, 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 run. It's like, no, no, you need to stop, 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 stop. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Look, you, this is another question. You'll probably go, oh, it depends. But yeah. um, coffee. Teachers drink a lot of coffee. I, yeah. I remember when I was a teacher, I drank a lot of coffee. Is, is that going to increase your stress? Well, there's a wonderful book that I'm reading at the moment by uh, Dr. Michael Mosley, and it's called Just One Thing. And he actually says coffee is quite good for you. Um, it depends how much you have. He says, actually, uh, but two to three cups a day is considered very good for your for your health. Um, I know a number of teachers that don't drink coffee at all. They have green tea, peppermint tea, um, whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, so I think, again, it comes down to what works for you. And it's the science around uh, physical health is constantly evolving and constantly changing. So yeah. I highly, I, I love that. What I love about Michael Mosley's book is, apart from it being evidence based, it's a wonderful book. It's like there, here's just one thing that's going to take you less than one minute to do that's going to be useful for your well being. Mm. So it's a wonderful book that I recommend for everybody. And now it's time for a brain break. And if you're new to the podcast, a brain break is where we have um, a musical interlude to give your brain a little bit of a rest from what's been going on in the rest of the podcast. Um, all of the music that you hear is from the Illawarra or the Shoalhaven areas of Australia, which is the areas uh, south of Sydney. Um, and um, I've got to say, this is one of my favourites, and this is the duo We Mavericks from the Illawarra. Um, they, Lindsay Martin plays the violin and the mandolin and sings, and, and um, Victoria Vanessa uh, writes the songs and plays the guitar and sings. And uh, they are a terrific duo. Um, I had the great pleasure of um, playing with Lindsay, Lindsay Martin probably around about 20 years ago now. Um, fantastic violinist. Um, anyway, here's one of their songs called Lonesome Valley off the Griefs a Gardener CD. It's probably safe in this lonesome valley But the sun comes late and goes down early And the air is cold and the road is curly And I'm getting old living in short Living 
Lonesome Valley and you can uh, find out more just by going to wemavericks.com.au you'll find out all about them and the upcoming gigs wemavericks.com.au or they're on Spotify as well and all the streaming services now it's time to continue the interview with Daniela Falecki Daniela most teachers I know love to come home and do a bit of work uh, and then have a glass of wine for dinner and then maybe have another glass of wine. Um, you know, it seems to be a part of the relaxation process for many teachers. Um, I read with absolute horror that uh, the the health authorities in Canada over the weekend stated they've reduced their alcohol, uh, recommended alcohol content from 14 drinks a week to two drinks a week. <laughs> Uh, I, I did see I, that. I will. I thought, I thought I'm I, not going to that website again. I chose, I chose to ignore it, Phil. I chose to ignore that. I saw it and I said, no, that can't be right. So do you have an opinion on that? Is, is having one glass look, of wine a, or two glasses of wine look, a night on, bad? On a, on, a serious, on a serious note, 
there is quite a lot of research out there to say that alcohol is one of the coping mechanisms for educators and alcohol use in educators is higher than general populations, so it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you can go to competing websites um, and research about what's, how much you should have or shouldn't have. Generally, I stick with the World Health Organization recommendations of what you should and shouldn't be doing. But if we deep dive deeper underneath that, um, the biggest uh, issue for us as educators in terms of our well-being is cognitive overload. Our mind is constantly going and we suffer from decision fatigue. And one mm. of the ways we try and stop our mind from racing is alcohol because it's a depressant. A depressant doesn't mean it depresses you. It means it depresses the central nervous system, which slows down the thinking. So it's a, we use it as a coping mechanism and we need to find other ways but I'm mm. not certainly here, not going to tell you not to drink, but um, we need to explore what's driving us to drink. It's interesting what you said, that um, among educators, there's a much higher consumption of alcohol. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, how can meditation be utilised at, at school? Mm. I know I'm a real fan of of. If, of meditation, I, I believe mm -hmm. exercise is a form of meditation, but yeah. you can't always be exercising. So, how could you use that in a school environment? So, if we replace the word meditation with mindfulness, and mindfulness is probably wider than meditation, um, so we have different ideas about what meditation is. So, mindfulness is basically being present where you are without judgment. You know, not thinking about the past, not thinking about the future. And if we, one of the things we can do is, is draw on sports psychology when we look at mindfulness and it's actually focused attention. So there's a lovely little activity that I encourage people to do when they're on playground duty and you can be walking around actively supervising on playground duty. You can do a body, a walking meditation where you're just noticing the um, your footsteps or the ground underneath you or the wind or the sounds. So you move through the senses you can also do a body scan. You can also do some breathing. What, what do you mean by that, uh, Daniela? What body you, scan. The body scan. So body scan is basically when, um, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm going through all the different parts of my body. So I will bring my awareness and attention to my feet. Now I bring my awareness to my ankles, to oh. my knees, to my hips. And I'm just basically moving through the body, starting at the bottom, working all the way up to the top of my head. And I'm just bringing my attention to each part of my body or each joint in my body. To The mind doesn't stop. We need to direct its focus. You can't stop mm. its focus. Yeah. And that's what mindfulness is. It's directing our attention to the present moment. And the easiest way to do that is through the breath. Um, another one is called box breathing. So breathing in, one, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. And basically it's box breathing, but there's lots of different um, ways that we can practice mindfulness. There's incredible resources, whether it be through the BU website or Mindfulness Australia. There's Mindfulness for educators is a massive field, massive field around the world. I suppose you could also do this with your students. Absolutely. Smiling Mind is one of the most popular websites for um, schools. Again, evidence-based, fantastic resources on YouTube or um, they've got books on websites for students from kindergarten all the way through to year 12. Yep. Now, this, this is a biggie, Daniela. You may not want to, to answer <laughs> it, but uh, look, uh, in, in 2022, last year, 
I had calls from teachers who were so beside themselves. Yeah. They were so stressed and a couple were in tears. Yeah. About things that were out of their control. For example, mm. the behaviour and discipline policy, which uh, came into being in, in many states. Yeah. Um, a, a report writing policy that said that they couldn't really be honest with their with the parents of the kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, a policy at the school that allowed students to have mobile phones in the classroom. And these teachers were so upset about those policies, but they couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Now, the only thing I could think of, well, oh, gee, you might have to go to another school or get another job. <laughs> yeah. But is there, is there anything that, that teachers can do to stop the anxiety around things that they can't control? It's such a big question and it's such a real issue. And that's why when I um, speak to schools and work with leaders, we unpack the me, the we and the us. Because one of the things that educators really dislike and feel patronised against is when they're told to meditate, exercise and sleep when actually the issues are outside of their control. Example, discipline, behaviour policies that have nothing to do with exercise, meditation and sleep. Does that make sense? Mm. Because like, it doesn't matter how much you exercise, it doesn't change the policy. And no, so it it's, it's acknowledging the system and those pressures. But, you know, what we're talking about here is, you know, you're talking about psychology and building people's psychological resources. So whether it be um, through psychology of internal and external locus of control. So is it inside me, outside me? How do I see it? Or you've got Martin Seligman's explanatory style. How will I explain this to myself? Or you've got um, CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy. My thoughts influence my feelings, which influences my actions. So, Or you've got ACT, which acceptance commitment therapy. These are all ways to help us navigate and manage frustrations of things that are outside our control. It's mm. a whole day workshop. It's a 12-month program, and it's an ongoing life lesson. I've been working in this space yeah. for over 20 years in the well-being space, and I'm still learning, and I still get frustrated, and it's because I care. So yeah. highlighting the fact that we care. So it's, it, it, it's absolutely complicated. I don't want to take anything away from people's frustration because it's real, but mm. there are things we can do, and it begins with shifting um, our approach. So it's not sometimes it's not what happens, it's how I respond to what happens. Yes, a, a very good friend of mine resigned at the end of last year, and it took well two friends of mine actually. It took uh, effect only this week. Yeah, um, and they just well one of them particularly. It had no nightlife at all. Yeah. Came home, uh, ate something, and then went back into their study for four hours. Yeah. Um, and realised that the family was falling apart. Yeah. Because of this, so that it was such a big, um, big amount of time, and and the, and the kids were suffering, everyone was suffering. So so resigned. Um, and I think, wow, if <sighs> I wish there was a way of helping these teachers so they could stay in the job, but maybe Absolutely. sometimes there's not. That's right. Look, we know through, I mean, you know, listen to the media. I'm not a big fan of the media in terms of its representation of educators, um, but the retention is a huge issue. 
Th- yeah. There are not enough teachers. Um, I'm hearing exactly the same thing as you feel, which is a lot of principals that I've been working with over the last three to five years have said, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm resigning I'm, or I'm, I'm putting in for 12 months leave because I, I'm not doing this. I can't keep going. Yeah. Uh, so the, de- the department has an absolute responsibility they are completely making things worse for educators. They, the amount of compliance, data collection, accountability that makes no sense is ridiculous. Um, but we, we need to find a way. It's, you know, it's, it's not so much a, um, a revolution, but education, <laughs> it's an evolution. It's an evolution, you know. Um, and yeah. we, we, it, things do have to change. And my heart goes out to educators and a big part of my intention is to shift the narrative because not everybody's struggling. Some people are doing really well. Some people yeah. are finding success. Some, the, the impact that educators are having under the, these incredibly um, challenging conditions is phenomenal. The work that educators doing is phenomenal. The, the, the impact, the time and energy and effort that they give my gosh, they do phenomenal work, but they don't see it themselves. Yeah, yeah. They just yeah, and don't, they don't see acknowledge it themselves. themselves probably That's right. either. Mm. That they don't at all. Look, a final question, Danielle. This re- revolves around the the uh, trauma informed teaching, which we spent yep. two episodes on last year, where teachers, in order to um, put this into practice, have to really take all of the emotion out of their their world for that day yep. or for that incidence and come down and just have a very rational, uh, measured approach. And then that will be perhaps echoed with the student. But teachers have trouble getting down from that emotional state. Do you have any tips to help them besides the breathing? Yeah, so breathing obviously is crucial and it's it's our self-talk. Our self-talk, our negativity bias, where bad is stronger than good, is really loud. And, um, you know, if you've got the work of Professor Barbara Fredrickson, which is her broaden and build theory, which says we need to actually track the good stuff. You need to notice the good stuff. And it's almost like we've got two radio stations in our mind. We've got the, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. I'm horrible. I don't know what to do voice. And the other voice is I can get through this. I know what to do. I trust myself. Um, and we need to turn down the negative one and turn up the positive one, which effectively is growth mindset thinking. Now, I don't know of many teachers that haven't been to a growth mindset workshop in the last five years, but we don't think to use the same learnings with ourselves. Yeah, that's a good point. It's the growth mindset thinking of saying, well, hang on a second, I don't know what to do yet, or hang on a second, what could I do? And we have this perfectionism streak, which is the fuss pot, where we think we have to get it right all the time. And we're talking about complicated humans in complicated organizations, and there is no right. So we need to stop putting that pressure on ourselves. No, that's right. We need to stop putting that pressure on ourselves and say, I'm doing the best I can with the resources I have. And as long as everybody's safe at the end of the day, including myself, then then it's okay. Yep. Absolutely right. Well, um, Daniela, um, thanks so much for talking Pleasure. with us. Um, it'll be interesting to see how teachers cope with 2023. and We may have to speak to you again during oh, the oh, year. Look, this is just the beginning, Phil, just the beginning. I mean, there's so many more things we could share. And um, like I said, I normally work with schools over two to three years and we've had a chat for about 20 minutes. So yep. there is lots more to, to explore.
And that was Daniela Falecki, and Daniela runs uh, teacherwellbeing.com.au. So all you have to do to get in contact with her, www.teacher-wellbeing.com.au. I guess I'm a little bit more prescriptive than Daniela. And um, as far as relieving stress goes for teachers, I, I always used to find that it's great to have something that you do that's dominant outside of teaching. For me, it was uh, playing music. I used to play in the pubs and the clubs around the place. Um, and if I wasn't doing that, I was playing cricket. So I wasn't defined solely by being a teacher. Um, so having something that you do outside of teaching, so you teach for eight hours from eight o'clock until four o'clock in the afternoon, and then you make sure you do something else which takes your mind away completely from it. And yes, I know people have got kids to pick up from school and you've got other things to do, um, but it's a matter of, of of not taking the work home. And so many teachers have told me that it's impossible to do the job without doing four hours work at night. Well, unfortunately, I mean, this is one of the only options that finding another job or just looking at it differently and saying it's going to be an eight till four job. And then I'm going to, um, I don't know, play netball. I'm going to go and do something else. Yes, take the kids home. And then I'm going to go to an art class. But defining yourself as not just a teacher, defining yourself as something else, but you also are a teacher for money. Um, well, that's how I used to do it anyway, but it probably, I know it won't work for everyone. And as we've learned more about the brain, we know that our 100 billion neurons inside our head um, produce an electric signal. And when we're stressed and anxious, our neurons are producing a high amount of electricity. And the best way to lower that is to breathe in um, and out. And it's exactly as Daniela says, to try and reduce the amount of electricity that our brain is producing so that we can come to a more logical, rational state. Um, and when I go into schools teaching, um, especially primary and, and even kindergarten kids about the brain and how to take care of the brain, um, I used a video by Julie Bayer Saltzman and Josh Saltzman, a couple, and they produced a video called Just Breathe, which is really for kids, but I've used it up to you know, year seven, year eight. Um, a terrific little video about how to reduce your stress. Um, again, yes, it's aimed at kids, but these teachers can use it and, and find that it really does relax them as well. So if you just YouTube just breathe. I'll put the link also on the uh, podcast notes so you can just click the link um, and go into it there. Just Breathe by Julie Bayer Saltzman and Josh Saltzman. You've been listening to um, episode 23 um, on how to reduce teacher stress. Um, if you've got any of your own tips, just let us know. Uh, you can contact me directly, phil at markingtherole.com.au, phil at markingtherole.com.au, and don't forget role is spelled R-O-L-E, with your tips on reducing stress. 
Our next episode is going to be on homeschooling and the new alternatives to mainstream school because homeschooling is the thing that's really taken off over the last couple of years. And with policies that are being introduced across the public system, there are more and more parents opting for homeschooling. And homeschooling is not the same as it was when certainly I was growing up. (laughs) Well, well, then um, mum and dad sat around a dining room table and taught the kids maths and English, and it's not like that now. Um, So that will be in the next episode. Also a reminder that uh, there's uh, only volunteers work on this podcast. And if you'd like to donate, just go to markingtherole.com.au and click on the little yellow coffee cup. You you can become a member or you can just donate $5 to help us along with the costs of running the podcast. You can also leave an anonymous news tip. If there's something going on in your school or community that you think uh, we should know about, you can... Um, leave a voicemail, a voice message. It can be anonymous. Uh, you have to fill out a bit of a form so we can check that you're for real. Um, but no, your identity won't be disclosed. So you can just do that on a new mechanism that we've got on the website. My name's Phil Dye. I'll see you again soon.